morning. Welcome to Harvest Church. Let's all stand together and worship. Lord, we invite you here, Lord. Be with us, Lord. We commit this time to you. Honor and worship you in Jesus' name. rises we wait upon the Lord we will wait upon the Lord we will wait upon the Lord strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord we will wait upon the Lord we will wait upon the Lord our God you reign forever our hope our strong
give life. You are love. You bring light into the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. And great are you, Lord. It's your breath.
God for me. 
Thank you, Lord, that you're 
your goodness is abounding, Lord. Lord, that we witness the evidence of your goodness every, every day, Lord. Thank you for the evidence of your presence right now, Lord. Thank you for the evidence of your word written to us, Lord. Thank you for the evidence of the fellowship of the brother and the saints, Lord. Your people, Lord. Your body in action, Lord God. Thank you for this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Okay, take a seat. I'm going to welcome up Brager because Brager is going to be helping with announcements. Welcome, welcome, Brager. Forgot to give you my microphone earlier. Well, you you dis- disappeared. I was right. I was right back there. Okay. All right. Here's back there. Well, good morning and welcome, everyone. Um, welcome to Harvest Church. My name is Jeremy. I'm the youth and family pastor, and this is I'm Brager Wade, the more handsome Curtis. <laughs> As we uh, designated last week. He's, he's going to call you on that when he gets back, which is this week, so watch out. <laughs> well, hey, it's so glad to see you guys. Um, you know, each week I seem to see new faces or faces I haven't said hello to or met. Um, we we, like, we want to know if you're here and if you're joining us, so uh, we'd love if you made your way back to the info center. If you're, if you're, if you're like, this is my home church um, we want to be able to put you on our newsletter, keep communicating with you, find out more about you. So the Info Center is the best place. Fill out a communication card so we can know a little bit more about you and get you plugged in. Um, as well as you, there's other options. You can go online. You can hit the connect through our website. And there's even an app. You have an app. Do you have the app on your phone? No. Oh, no. He's, he's going to do that in between services. Not right now. Your phone should be off. But we're, after this, you're going to Okay, do I'll do that. What else is happening, Brager? Also, we have our fall life groups um, kicking off this September. So we've already started our college group. That has started off great. But we also have men's, women's, um, couples groups. We've got home groups. We've got groups for pretty much everyone. If you want to join one, we have all the information back on the Info Center. Um, Very helpful. And also, we have M6 coming up on September 12th. But it'll be a special M6 because it will be... An M and W6 for the men and wives. Yes, <laughs> men and wives. And that's when? September 12th? September 12th. Okay. Uh, 630? 630? 6. 6. 6. 6. 6. 6. M6. 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 Oh. Starts at 6. Yes, I should remember that. <laughs> Starts at 6. And uh, there's a great dinner. Um, it, is a, it is a fundraiser, so they're trying to raise uh, support. It'll go towards the dinners that they have each, each year. Or each each month, as well as uh, 17 strong, I believe. Another, yes. Uh, um, so, there's a fundraiser. It's 150 dollars per couple. So, um, with that, I think that's the last of our announcements, right? That is. So we're gonna practice a mingle time right now. We're Ooh. about ready to release you to mingle time. Breger, my name is Jeremy. My name is Breger. Oh, nice to meet you. Nice um, to meet you. Breger, what's your? F- how long have you come to church here? Three years. Three years. Okay. Two, what, two, what, I think two years actually. What's your favorite verse? My favorite verse. Yes, on the spot. This was not practice. Ecclesiastes 9-11. Okay. And? Oh, well, I'll have to think about it <laughs> okay. for a second. Ecclesiastes 9-11, okay. <laughs> Thanks, Parker. All right, well, say, say hello to someone around you, and we're so st- glad you're here. God bless.
All righty, come on back. Come on back. Did everybody get communion elements? Did everybody get some elements? These are our COVID-friendly elements. So if, raise your hand if you didn't get those, because I think they're going around with them right now. Where's Deb? Did she take off? Oh, Paul's got them in the back. Raise your hand really high if you, if you didn't get your elements, because we're going to be taking communion today. Sherry's got those as well. Welcome, welcome, welcome. The gasket sealer and gasket. It's not a gasket sealer and gasket, Doug. It's very, very much the 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 elements that we will take. <laughs> Hecklers in the crowd. I love it. It does kind of taste like a gasket. So when you take the elements, you want to get some saliva. Ready and because uh, you really it will get stuck <laughs> otherwise. So, hey, we're going to be in First Peter chapter two verse. We're only going to cover three verses today. First Peter chapter two verses one through three. We're talking about growing into a full experience of salvation, and um, you know this really touches deeply the DNA of who we are as believers. What, what are we counting on as believers? I, I've been thinking about this a little bit differently this morning, even since I wrote the message these last few days. I've been thinking about, because I've, I've been feeling like, okay, there's a block spiritually. Have you ever felt like, man, there's just something blocking my, my fellowship with the Lord? I, I grabbed a chair and sat in the closet over here, as a, and uh, I just had my head down as I'm just thinking, okay, what is happening, Lord? Just trying to figure out what was blocking it. It didn't really occur to me until I was worshiping, and uh, then, then the Lord highlighted a conversation that I had with a, another pastor in town, I don't know, a week or so ago. We were talking about church stuff, and, and I, I made a comment that was uh, arrogant. And I didn't even really think about it at the time. Although I it kind of grabbed me a little bit, like maybe I should, shouldn't have said that. You know, when you say something and you think, I, I probably didn't need to say that. But I said something that was kind of arrogant and uh, about, what, about the church or something like that. And, and um, as I was worshiping this morning, it occurred to me that, so I, as I thought about what I said, I thought, why did I say it? Why did I need to say that? to this person. What was happening in, in, inside of me? I, I thought, you know, there's something 
in me that is validated by what I do. And I think that's maybe true for all of us, and that's okay to be find fulfillment in what we do as believers when we're doing ministry and that sort of thing. But what we really, I, I think the more fulfilling and a mature way to think about who we are in Christ is that I am complete in him because of what he's done, not because of what I have done. Now, what we do as we're empowered and given spiritual gifts to use within, those are all very important things, but I don't think we can attach our value to those things. Years ago, I heard a buddy of mine say, who was a Christian leader, he said, you know, I feel like I could walk away from all of this and just be totally fine. And he was a Christian actor on, on big screen and that sort of thing. And he said, I could, I could just walk, because I don't find my value in that. I thought, oh, that's an interesting thought. I never really thought about that. Last year, a friend of mine uh, who was pastoring in the North County, after, after like 35 or 40 years, he resigned. And somebody asked him, it, was it hard for you to walk away from this ministry that you've been leading for 35 or 40 years? And he said, no. I, I never really felt like I owned it or that it was mine. I just felt like I was here for a season. And so he was able to walk away from it and not have it impact his sense of self-worth. It just didn't matter to him because his self-worth was found in Christ and Christ alone. So sometimes we find our self-worth in external things that can really trip us up and hinder us. So I know I'm here for a season, but when I walk away... I. I don't want my self-worth to be impacted. I wanted to know that my self-worth is solely found in Jesus. In Jesus, you know, that, that has very little to do with what I'm doing, although that, those are all important things. God's, you know, we talk about this all the time, that God has called us and equipped us for such a time as this, that he's given us gifts to be used within the kingdom of God to expand the kingdom, to glorify God, to point people to him. And so those are all wonderful things. But at the end of the day, our value should be found solely in Jesus. And so if something happens and we're no longer able to do the things that we've always been doing for Jesus, we're still in Jesus and experiencing intimacy with him and closeness with him because that's the proper foundation that we just build our lives on Jesus. So as we talk about growing into a full experience of salvation, we got to start there. The very basics that we find our life in Jesus and in him alone. Sometimes we get saved and we get real busy. We start doing all kinds of stuff and that becomes the substitute. But we need to just find our full experience of salvation in Christ and live out of that and be obedient out of that. Sometimes we're doing the stuff that we're doing to please people or to look good or to whatever the foundation of growing in a full, into a full experience of salvation begins with just you and Jesus. What did Jesus save you out of? What did Jesus rescue you from? What has Jesus done to give you new life? We're going to be celebrating communion today, remembering what Jesus did 2,000 years ago so we could experience, have a full experience of salvation. Maybe to put it in simple terms, but what, what does that mean to have a full experience of salvation? Well, have you ever been to an amusement park? Most of us have been to an amusement park. I remember when I was just a little guy, my mom took me to an amusement park, uh, Magic Mountain. We went to Magic Mountain. And I don't know if you're older. I don't even know if they still have the, Revo is the Magic Mountain still even open? Anyway, the Revolution, 
Remember that ride that takes you upside down? So I was scared to death of that ride. I was like, I, I'll go on pretty much, even the Colossus, I was fine with the Colossus, but the Revolution, no thanks. So my mom just kind of talks me into it. She's like, hey, you're going to be okay, and you're going to be fine. And so we get on the Revolution, and I'm scared to death. But we do it, and I get off, and I'm like, can we do it again? <laughs> you know, like, it was so much fun. Sometimes I think we're afraid to have a full experience of salvation because we've never done it before. Uh, we don't know what to expect. We're not sure how it will turn out. But when we decide to do it, throwing caution to the wind, when we decide just to go for it in Christ and just have fun with Jesus, doing what he's called us to do, living the way that he's called us to live, we can't get enough of it. There's something powerful about it. It's like, can you imagine going to the Grand Canyon and never really stopping to look at the Grand Canyon? I mean, imagine driving by and so somebody can ask, will ask you, hey, I've been, have you been to the Grand Canyon? You're like, yeah, I've been to the Grand Canyon. But you haven't really been to the Grand Canyon because all you've done is drive by. You haven't been to the Grand Canyon until you're looking over the edge into the vast beauty of the Grand Canyon, until you've hiked in the Grand Canyon, until you've suffered along those many miles of trails and trying to climb back out. I mean, you haven't really had the full experience until you've had the full experience. And so you can say, yeah, I've been to the Grand Canyon, but you haven't really experience the Grand Canyon. Some of us say that, hey, we're, I'm a Christian, but we haven't really experienced the fullness of what it means, the full experience of salvation. And so today we're going to be talking about the full, growing into a full experience of salvation. Because I, I think some of us are just kind of scratching the surface. Um, I'm a Christian, but you know, somebody asked what faith, most Americans, even now, will say I'm a Christian, but do most Christians really know what that means? Are we having, as a nation, a full experience of salvation? Let's just see what Peter has to say about it. Because Peter, <laughs> he's lived his life with, in a full expression of salvation. He understood what it meant to follow Jesus when things were good. Jesus is working miracles and doing supernatural things. But he also understands what it means when Jesus is arrested and crucified and buried. And in that moment of a crisis of faith, he's trying to figure out what does it mean? And then God gets a hold of his heart and truth is revealed to him. And then after the resurrection, uh, Peter's filled with the Holy Spirit. And he preaches to the multitudes and his life is forever changed. He is He's a leader in the early church. He writes these books for us, these letters to us, so that we might understand what a full expression of our faith is really all about, full experience of our salvation is all about. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, the first word in this first verse is the word so. <laughs> so what? So why does Peter begin with this word so? Maybe your Bible says, so then, or therefore, or wherefore. Why does Peter begin this verse, this chapter, with this word? Peter's about to give. He, he's beginning with this word because he's about to give some pretty straightforward instruction. And he wants us to reflect on what he's already said. So, therefore, wherefore, so because... Reflecting, reminding us of what he's already said all through chapter one. He's prepared us for chapter two by writing chapter one. 
Peter is asking us, he's challenging us, he's leading us down the path of sanctification. This path of sanctification, what he calls a full experience of salvation. So salvation is wonderful in that we've got new life in Jesus, but it's just the beginning of a new life that God has given to us. We are given salvation, but we're then called and filled and equipped to do wonderful and supernatural things, but then also live out the course of our lives through all of the ups and downs, the hills and valleys, through all of the challenges and victories, we're called to trust Jesus. And so if we don't have that full experience of salvation, then we're going to waffle, we're going to backslide, we're going to slip back we're into our old ways, and we're going to miss out on the very best that God has for us. So Peter's asking us, he's challenging us, he's leading us out of his own experience. Like I've watched myself, Peter could say, I've watched myself vacillate and waffle and backslide because of a lack of the full experience. But then as the Holy Spirit works on him and sanctification takes place and over the course of his life, wonderful and supernatural things. Peter's at the end of his life here and he's writing to the church. He's writing to us to encourage us. I, I love that this is what we read about Peter. This is what Peter wrote at the end of his life. When you're getting to the end of your life, you, you get very serious about uh, all kinds of things. You begin to think differently about your life and how to finish well. And Peter wanted to finish well. So he's asking us, challenging us, leading us down the path of sanctification, a full experience of salvation. So with all of that, are we having a full experience of salvation? I mean, does God like have our attention 24-7? Or does he just have our attention on Sunday morning or when we take five minutes to crack the Bible? What, are we having a full experience or are we having kind of a spotty kind of, you know, get, you know just kind of weird experience with God that's not the full experience. The, the Apostle Paul describes this experience this way. This is kind of what he would, would uh, prescribe for us. Ephesians 4, 23 and 24 says, Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. This is the process of sanctification. Uh, the, the steps toward full experience of what it means to be saved. Instead, let your Spirit Renew your thoughts. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created by, uh, to be like God, truly righteous and holy. And I love what he wrote in Ephesians 4.30. He said, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Oh, wow. Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way that you live. So God is calling us. He's raising the bar in our lives saying, hey, the I've got more for you out of this intimacy that I desire to have with you. Remember, he has identified you as his own, so that's who you are. He has put a seal on you, his seal on you, guaranteeing that you'll be saved on that day of redemption. So what's the so therefore? What is the so therefore? I'm actually going to give you 16 reasons for the so. <laughs> and it's all found in 1 Peter chapter 1. So... Actually, Peter is going to give you 16 reasons. Actually, to be perfectly clear, the Holy Spirit, who's inspired this word, is going to give you 16 reasons for the so. Why is the so there? We have to take serious what the word of God says. Sometimes we might just gloss over the so. What? I don't know why it's there. 
if you go back and look at the context of the word of God, then we begin to understand why the so is there. So all from 1 Peter chapter 1. So, because you are God's chosen people, and all, all I did was go through chapter one and just make notes of all of the reasons that we're called into this full experience of salvation. Because you're God's chosen people, number one. Number two, because the Heavenly Father knew you and chose you. <laughs> number three, because His Spirit has made you holy. Number four, because you have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Number five, because you've been born again. Number six, because we live with great expectation. In Christ, we, we should live with great expectation. Why? Because we serve a great God with great power and great capacity and, and great, there's great possibilities for us in Christ Jesus because we live with great expectation, because we have a priceless inheritance with the Lord, because God is protecting you by his power. Speaking of his connection to you and his, his plan to watch over you and his purpose in using you in the earth. God is protecting you by his power because there is wonderful joy ahead. So because of these reasons, now Peter goes on to say, even though you have to endure many trials, so we talk about the joy that is ahead, he also understands the, the many trials, but he says these trials will show that your faith is genuine. So praise God for the trials. Like, we don't pray for trials. Like, if you're foolish, you'd pray for trials. But if you're wise, you don't pray for trials. You just know that they're coming. But when the trials come, we begin to understand that they prove the genuineness of our faith when we're able to hold firm and still believe and not give up, to continue to trust and to continue to move forward as a follower of the Lord Jesus. There's joy, great joy ahead in spite of the trials. The trials should be seen as um, part of God's plan to enrich your life and to strengthen you and to give you the full experience of salvation. Because if, if trials derail your faith, then you're not having the full experience of salvation. There, there's a deeper work that needs to be taking place in your life. What else? Well, your faith is more precious than mere gold. All this is in 1 Peter chapter 1. You love him even though you've never seen him. So speaking of our faith, we love God even though we've never, anybody ever seen God? We love him even though we've never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him. The reward of for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. Number 14, because you have placed your faith and hope in God. Number 15, because you are cleansed from your sins. Number 16, because your new life will last forever. So that's the so. Because of all of this truth that Peter records in chapter 1, because of this reason, we can press on and have the full experience of salvation. So these 16 reasons are why Peter began with the word so. <laughs> because of all of these reasons, Peter challenges the believers. Because of everything that he wrote in chapter 1, we can have confidence and move forward as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have 16 reasons listed in one chapter covering 25 verses. So there's a, a lot crammed in. I'm trying to make a point. There's a lot crammed into one little ver, uh, chapter in, with 25 verses. There's a lot of chapters in the Bible. There's 1,189 
chapters in the Bible. So a lot has been crammed into this one chapter, all of the reasons that we should need. But then if, if we were to go through and unpack all of the scripture, like read all of the Old and the New Testament, we'd find, I don't know, maybe hundreds of reasons to press in and to have a full experience of salvation, to, to want to be fully sanctified as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. So in this one chapter, there's 25 verses throughout the whole context of scripture, there's actually, I wrote it down here, 31,102 verses <laughs> with 23,145 verses in the Old Testament and 2,957 uh, in the New Testament. You know, there's like over three quarters of a million words in the Bible, over 783,000 words in the Bible. <laughs> There's a lot there for us, and we find all of these, we find 16 reasons to, to have a full experience of salvation in just one small chapter in one small book of the Bible. All that to just kind of hopefully encourage you to open it up. The word is full of promises and truth that will help us and will educate us and encourage us as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's take a look of, uh, at what it means. I, ex kind of experiencing the full experience of salvation, growing into a full experience of salvation requires actually commitment. Like, first of all, you, you, you get saved by grace through faith, but then you just need to open up the word and do maybe what I did today. Just really look at it and really evaluate it and really take it in and really soak it up and see what God will do. So let's take a look at what Part of this commitment looks like we see it in verse 1. So there's the so. So why is the so there? Go back and read chapter 1. So get rid of all evil behavior. Ah, Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Who's Peter talking to? The church. Then and <laughs> now. He's talking to us. Why? Because we obviously have a problem here. There's obviously something going on within the body of Christ that needs to be addressed. So he said, get rid of it. In 1 Peter 2.1, in the contemporary English version, it says, stop being hateful. <laughs> I, just stop being hateful. Quit trying to fool people and start being sincere. Don't be jealous or say cruel things about others. What? What do we do with that? I mean, how do we understand what we're to do? Well, first of all, we need to understand what those words mean. One of the main principles in hermeneutics, which is a study of the general principles of Bible interpretation, is that we need to understand what words mean. I mean, does that make sense? Like, if we're going to understand any given text, especially the Bible, we need to understand what words Mean We need to understand a little bit about Bible interpretation. So the first thing we need to know is what do these words mean? So I would encourage you to get a Greek and English or Hebrew English lexicon. A lexicon is basically just like a dictionary for Bible study. So get it. Or, or you can get on blue. How many use blue letter Bible? It's a great resource. It's a free resource, and you can get on there. And the Blue Letter Bible will help you 
define words, figure out what the Greek or the Hebrew meaning is. It will help you understand what the Bible's saying when we read the Bible. So as we read the scripture, the Old Testament was mainly written to a Hebrew audience. And so there's Hebrew um, information and understanding that we need to have that we can get from these study resources. Uh, the Old, New Testament was mainly written to a Greco-Roman culture. And so uh, our cultures are different than the Hebrew and the Greco-Roman culture. And so we need to have some understanding. You know, most English translations are very thorough. And if we read uh, what they write, we can usually take it to the bank. But to get some greater understanding about what we're reading, it's helpful just to do some more digging. So if you're trying to understand what a word means within the Bible, it's helpful to just read other translations. And so, you know, we t I typically read out of the New Living Translation. But if I'm struggling with what a word means, I'm going to look at the King James or the NASB or the ESV and see how those translators translated that word so that I can fully understand what the writer is saying. Because it doesn't really help us if we don't understand. And so how do we understand? We just begin to uh, employ these hermeneutical tactics so that we can understand what the scripture is all about. So the first rule of Bible interpretation is the rule of definition. What does the word mean? I think it makes total sense. What does the word mean? So let's check it out and see what the word means. So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and unkind speech. So what I did is I just simply opened up the Blue Letter Bible. Write that down because it's very helpful in your Bible study. Blue Letter Bible. And uh, the first kind of word there is evil behavior. Get rid of all evil behavior. Uh, the King James Version says this way, wherefore laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisy. The word for evil behavior in the King James Version is malice. And as you dig deeper, you can see that it means evil and wickedness. And so there's malice, there's uh, evil and wickedness being communicated and being, uh, it's happening within the body of Christ. And so in Acts 8.22, we see that same Greek word being used here. And it says, repent therefore of this thy wickedness. So that Greek word for malice is, or evil behavior is wickedness. It's malice. It's, so what is God telling us to do? He said, get rid of all of that. Wickedness, evil behavior, malice, wickedness. What, so, so we look at our lives and say, what Lord, is there anything in my life that's wicked? You can only answer that. You gotta, hey, listen, if we're not availing ourselves to the truth of the word of God, then we're not fully experiencing salvation the way that God, we're not having the full experience of salvation. We're not being sanctified the way that God would have us be sanctified. So if we're looking at, the, so a way to look at the word is like a mirror. So you read it and you say, I'm reading about wickedness, malice, all this kind of stuff. Is there wickedness in my life? I keep dealing with couples who are dealing with hard things. Um, in, uh, infidelity, lying, um, I, boy, the, the list goes on and on and on. I think, how can people sit in the church and be dealing with, you know, be allowing these kinds of things in their lives? Addictions and infidelity. 
and lying and cheating and stealing. And, and it's because we haven't taken serious the word of God to eliminate from our lives all wickedness. We, we just kind of give ourselves a pass or something. I don't know. But we're not paying attention to the scripture because the full experience of salvation requires that we do some house cleaning, that we get rid of some junk out of our lives, that we do it quickly, that we have short accounts with the Lord. And so if you've got addictions or inappropriate relationships, those things just have to stop by God's grace, evil behavior. What about the word deceit? That word means guile, subtlety secretly, craft or craftiness. In Mark 14, 1 in the King James Version, for context, so we understand what's being said here, it says this, after two days was the feast of the Passover and of unleavened bread, and the chief priests and the scribes sought how, he might, how, sought how they might take him by craft and put him to death. So they're, the religious leaders of the day are trying to figure out how to trick, and with trickery, get Jesus, get him arrested and have him crucified and put to death. So deceit, guile, trickery, subtlety. It's a manipulation. It's, it's just an unhealthy way of living life. And so Peter says, get rid of it. All deceit and guile. And then they use the word hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is actually the word used for a stage actor. Someone who's on a platform pretending, acting out a role. It's someone who is looking like one person, but is actually not that person. We, we do that in church. All the, we do that really well in church. Like we show up like, hey, everything's good. Everything's good. Everything's great. It's not great. It's not great for everyone. And so not that we need to share all of our junk with everybody, but we need to share some of our junk with somebody. We need to get it out to somebody who's safe and will pray and walk you through with good godly counsel. But there's hypocrisy uh, going on. In, in Matthew 23, 28, in the King James Version, it says, So ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Whew. So Jesus called the Pharisees, the religious leaders of his day, he called them whitewashed tombs with dead men's bones inside. Why did Jesus say that? Because he's mean? No, because he knew of their hypocrisy. They looked good on the outside. They were all whitewashed and looking pretty, but dead men inside. So Jesus called out their hypocrisy to bring about conviction, but also to bring about life change. And so when the scripture or when a, a preacher, or when somebody calls out your hypocrisy or our hypocrisy, we need to be humble and say, yeah, you're absolutely right. I've been play acting. I've been pretending. It's just not the way to, to live our lives. God has called us into a full experience of salvation whereby we are changed through the process of sanctification where God has an opportunity to manage our lives and to change our lives. Then there's the word jealousy and can be, uh, could be, uh, the word envies could be used. And we see this in Mark 15, 10. 
For he knew that the chief priest had delivered him for envy. The chief priest had delivered Jesus because they were jealous of him, jealous of his influence, jealous that uh, he was drawing people away from them. And so out of envy, they did what they did, delivering him to be crucified. So jealousy and envies, we, we need to not allow these things to take up space in our head and our hearts. And then there's unkind speech or evil speakings. 2 Corinthians 12, 20, the King James says this, For I fear lest when I come, I shall not find you such as I would, and that I shall be found unto you such as ye would not. This is why I don't read the King James Version anymore. <laughs> like, so in my earlier days, that's all I had was a King James Version Bible. I had a big old Dakes King James Version Bible, and I really knew how to read it. But I haven't really read the King James much, in, like devotionally or in study for a long time. So I don't, it's old King James. We, we, we don't speak old King James. Lest there be debates, envyings, wraths, strives, strifes. And, and then he uses the word, instead of unkind speech or evil speaking, he uses the words backstabbings or backbitings. Interesting, backbitings. Does that happen within the church? <laughs> I don't know. Apparently it does. I mean, Peter, who was a leader in their first century church, uh, he, he knew something. Something was obviously happening, and he's addressing it. There was backbiting in the early church. Is that healthy for the church? Is that healthy for a new relationship? It's just poison, right? It's completely unhealthy. And so Peter's addressing it. Why? Because he wants the church healthy. He's addressing it because he wants the people within the church healthy. He wants our relationships to be healthy. He wants us to be unified, committed to the purposes of God, focused on doing what God has called us to do. We can't be doing all of those things if indeed there's this type of behavior within the church. If we're backbiting and mean spirit and complaining and doing all of those things. So how do we, how do we, Move, from, move away from all of this. He said, man, I've, this has just been the way I've always dealt with things. I've always been a complainer, a backbiter, a gossip. I've always been a hypocrite. How do you get away from all that kind of stuff? Well, that's the full experience of salvation that we're talking about. It's the sanctification process that we're talking about. God saved you, but he doesn't want to leave you the way you are because he loves you too much to leave you the way you are. So he takes you through a process. It's a lifelong process. I'm in it. You're in it. We're all in it. It's a process called sanctification. It's in that process and through that process that we have a full experience of salvation. If we don't go through the process, we're driving by the Grand Canyon, but we're not stopping. We're going to the amusement park, but we're not getting on the roller coaster, right? We're just kind of having a disconnected experience. It's not what God's design. It's not God's design. It's kind of this religious kind of experience, but it's not God's design for our experience. So verse 2 helps us to understand what, what, we'll, what we, we can do to, to, to move beyond this kind of way of living and kind of get delivered out of it. We just, we need to get delivered out of it, but we'll never get delivered out of this type of lifestyle until we just look at it head on and just take serious the sin in our lives. And so he said, like newborn babies in verse 2, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. 
cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. So growing into a full experience of salvation requires commitment. Commitment number one, and this will probably be a two or three or four or ten week series. I don't know what it's going to be, but we'll see. Commitment number one, we have to be willing to grow. Hence the title, Growing Into a Full Experience of Salvation. We actually got to be willing to grow. And so maybe some of you have been in church for five years and you grew for five years, but, uh, or maybe you've been in church for 10 years and you've grown for the first five years, but then you've just been on, on autopilot for the last five years. It's not God's design. You've got to be growing all the days of your life so that next year at this time, you have greater understanding, greater capacity as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, greater strength, greater victory, greater ability to overcome in Jesus' name, a greater ability to have joy in face of difficulties and trials, greater strength. When you're tempted, you're able to say no, when maybe in the past you said yes, and so you have greater capacity in Jesus to stand firm and move forward, but you got to be willing to grow. How do we grow? Well, verse 2 again, like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. What happens when a, a newborn is hungry? Right? They're screaming, right? I've got a newborn grandbaby, and when he is hungry, what is he doing? Like, you can be holding him, but if you're not mama, you can't give him what he needs. And so you hand him off, right? You're like... I can do a lot, but I cannot meet this need because he's craving milk. <laughs> right? There's a picture there that we can get a hold of because we've all been that crying baby wanting something of nourishment. So this needs to be our attitude regarding the word of God. And sometimes our attitude about the word of God is I got to do it. I got to read it. Like it's spinach or something. <laughs> or you fill in the blank like it's mushrooms. First meal I had at Jolene's mom's house. You know, you're trying to put your best foot forward because your your in-laws, your future in-laws play. Not, I don't know. They weren't even. We hadn't. We were just dating. I show up. Margaret gives me this big old plate of spaghetti. I love spaghetti, but on top of it was this black thing, this black piece of food. Apparently, it was food. I said, Margaret, Margaret, I don't, I don't mean to complain, but what is this thing? She said, oh, it's a mushroom. I mean, why? What's, what's the point? It's fungus. It grows out of stuff. They should, we, sh we don't need this, right? And so I pushed it aside, and she thought she was doing me a favor because she loves mushrooms, right? Reminds me of another story about this couple who've been married for years and years and years. And the wife, making breakfast every day for years, always gave her husband the heel, of the bread. Well, he hates the heel, but he never says anything. He's just kind of grumpy about it for years, you know. And so finally he's like, why are you giving me the heel? She said, oh, that's my favorite part of the bread, and I wanted you to have it. we got to change our perspective about things. And as we open up the Word of God, we need to realize that it's life to us and grace to us and strength for us. It's what we need Quit looking at it like it's a mushroom or something that we don't want or that we dread or that we have to do. It's like newborn babies. We need to cry for it. We need to crave pure spiritual milk. What, so the word of God is pure spiritual milk. I, I love in Psalm 19, verses 7 through 11, it just helps us. How much time do we have? 
I'm over time. I need more time. Here we go. Psalm 19 says, the instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. Whoa. That might change our perspective about the word of God. The instruction of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. You need your soul revived? Open up the scripture. <laughs> you want your life in Jesus revived? You got to open up the scripture. It says, the decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. You need some wisdom? Open up the word. Man, just keep opening up the word and read it and keep reading it all the days of your life. Make it your priority, the first thing that you do, not the last thing you do when you're trying to stay awake at night, you're trying to get through a passage. You gotta just make it your priority. It'll order your steps and give you wisdom for the day. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. Oh. Joy, you like joy? Open up the scripture and just allow the word of God to refresh you and fill you with joy. The word of God is like pure spiritual milk for us. It's what babies are crying for. It's what we should be craving as believers in Jesus Christ. Like I need the word. Like if you skip the word for some reason in the day, you should be feeling it like I'm craving it. Like I can't believe I went without it. Like if you miss breakfast or you're, ice cream after dinner you like or if you missed your coffee ah, there you go if you missed your coffee everybody gets that one <laughs> like man i wish i had my coffee right but if you can develop people develop an appetite for what they're fed right so if you begin to feed on the word of God and drinking that stuff, and you're going to develop an appetite for it. You're just going to crave it. But you won't get the appetite for it until you just get after it. So get after it. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Ah, what does God want me to do? What's the right decision? I'm going to open up the word because I know that somehow God is going to communicate. It's a living word. It's a living word. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. So we can have confidence in the word. True and fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to your servant, to get a great reward for those who obey them. <laughs> I can't get into it, but did you know the longest book of the Bible is all about the Bible. <laughs> Psalm 119, 176 verses. It's all about the Bible. So go through and read what the psalmist wrote. We're not sure who the psalmist is, probably David, but go back and read what the psalmist wrote about the word of God. There's a, hey, 176 uh, verses in chapter, 119, in chapter 119 of Psalms that we can glean from. So Psalm 19 and Psalm 119, read it and see what the Lord will do to refresh your soul. You, you won't have a full experience of salvation without getting into the word of God. You will be diminished in your spirit. You will be unable to stand firm. You'll be weak against temptation. You'll be prone to sin. You will fall short continually and constantly apart from the word of God. It's exactly what you need. You have to eat. You have to eat. My doctor, I was 
struggling with some stuff. And he said, and I told him, I said, I'm doing this intermittent fasting. He said, well, stop doing intermittent fasting. You might actually have some energy. <laughs> so I started eating eggs in the morning. I'm like, oh, yeah, kinda, I kind of feel better, you know. <laughs> so if you're struggling spiritually, it's because you're, you've got this kind of weird intermittent fasting. Like, I'll open up the Word, you know, one day out of three or, one, you know, on Sunday morning when it's being. That's like, you're going to be dying of starvation, and you'll be powerless spiritually. Just the way it works. God's design. We're going to take communion. I want to invite the worship team up. And um, as the worship team comes forward, I just want to ask a question. What, not just what have you learned, but what are you going to apply as a result of this message? And so uh, let's go ahead and stand up and we're going to worship and take communion. But as you stand up, what have you learned today and then what are you going to apply? Because it doesn't, it's just an academic exercise if we come to church and listen, but don't apply. So let's just not make this an academic exercise, but let's make it a real life-changing sermon. So who do I, do I need to call on somebody or should, should you guys just speak out? Yeah? I'll be kind until somebody doesn't speak up and then we'll... What? What's that? But what, do you, what does that mean for you though? Okay. Yeah, so stay in the word and apply it. Stay in the word every day and apply it. How, how long have you been a Christian? Six. And so now you're like 46, right? So, <laughs> so 40 years or so plus you've been a Christian. Why do you need to keep reading the Bible? Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, remember the manna in the wilderness when the Israelites are wandering on this 40-year trip that should have taken them 40 days, but because of their sin and wickedness and rebellion, took them 40 years. What did God give them every day? Give manna, just enough for the day because he wanted them to have faith that he would provide it the next day. So the word of God is like manna to our souls. We need, we need it every day. We're going to read it and then we'll need it the next day because if we rely on the manna from yesterday, what happened to the manna from yesterday to the people of Israel in the wilderness, right? It turned stinky and full of maggots, right? Now, God's word's never stinky or full of maggots, but the idea is that we need fresh manna every day. And so every day we go back to the word of God every day. That's just God's design for having a, um, experience, a full experience of salvation. What else? Yeah. Oh, hold on. Yeah. Yeah. Reading the word every day is God your Father reaching out his hand to you, showing, hey, I will show you. I, I will lead you. I will take you where you need to go. Doug. So I just heard God saying that uh, he just says, uh, Who do you say I am? Mm. Who am I? Yeah. That's worth more than anything in the world. Yeah. Mm. And to listen to the wisdom of the word of God that he's given us. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Lord, we thank you for your word, and uh, we're thankful for the opportunity just to 
dive a little deeper and grow a little more and get a little more serious about who we are in you. And we're thankful for the opportunity to take communion today. And it's a reminder that new life is available to us, that you died on a cross and shed your blood so that our sins could be forgiven. If you're here today and you've never accepted the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, you can receive the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ by recognizing your desperate need for him. It's not about a word formula. It's about a life change and transformation. It's about a decision that says, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lead my own life anymore, but I'm going to submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to live the way that I've always lived because I know that it's not been God's desire and it's not honored God. And so you're saying, Jesus, I want to honor you. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. So there's a, a belief, a transformational belief that we're stepping into. It's a life transformation. It's a, it's, a, it's a process where we're saved and then we go through the rest of our lives pursuing Jesus, hungry for Jesus, doing what God has called us to do. It can't be about a formula because God's never been about formulas. It's been about relationship. And so and sanctification and transformation, a new life in Jesus about being born again. So if you want to make that decision, uh, just explain to the Lord and proclaim to the Lord, God, I, I'm yours. I, I just, I don't want to live without you. I need your grace. I need your love and your forgiveness. Come into my life. Lead me, guide me, direct me. Something along those lines. And you're at the starting line of, a lifelong race that Paul says that we're to run the race to win the race with all, all of our strength, with all of our might. We just run with everything we got pursuing Jesus. Anyway, so if that's you, give your life to Jesus. Communion is about remembering what Jesus has done. So if you haven't given your life to Jesus, don't, don't, yeah, don't take communion. It's, it's, it's for believers who believe and are pursuing Jesus. But if you want to trust Jesus and give your life to Jesus, then do that and then let's take communion. Paul wrote, for I pass on to you, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. 23, for I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. Let's go ahead and take the bread, the wafer. same way he took the cup of wine after supper saying this cup is the it's the new covenant between God and his people do this to remember me as often as you drink it for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again let's take the juice thank you Lord 
It's good to remember, Lord. It's good to rejoice. It's good to celebrate. It's good to worship. God, as we worship at this moment, closing out the service, and as we make time for prayer at the end of the service, Lord, I pray that you be glorified. God, help us to take serious your word, the application of your word. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's worship.
holy, 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 to receive all glory. How we long for that day when we just are saying that all the time. It's in your presence, God. How amazing is that going to be? And Lord, I pray that as we go out in this week, we will desire and seek that full experience of our salvation, Lord. Thank you, Father, for your love and your amazing grace. In Jesus' name, amen.